A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. My name is David Knowles, and this is Ukraine, the latest. This hideous and barbaric venture of Vladimir Putin must end in failure. Nobody's going to break us. We're strong. We're Ukrainians. Today is a special episode of Ukraine, the latest. It's a bank holiday in the UK. So instead of our usual live podcast on the latest developments across the country, we have an interview with Danielle Sheridan, the Telegraph's defence and political correspondent, who's on the ground in Ukraine with her colleague and translator, Irena Ukhina. We spoke about life in Ukraine, journalism in the war zone, and how their team, together with photographer Paul Grover, worked to shed light on the atrocities perpetuated by Russian troops across the country. Listener discretion is advised. There are graphic descriptions of extreme violence. My name is Irina Ukina and I'm from Ternopil. I'm working as a news correspondent on the national TV channel Ukraine. And the last two years we also have a news TV channel Ukraine 24. Uh, we made news stories about pensions. We talked about new strains of coronavirus, uh, made materials about the economic energy and politics. But now, when the Russian full-scale invasion in Ukraine started, all Ukrainian TV channels, a lot of, six of them, I think so, or seven uh, national TV channels, uh, we have joined our forces to talk about the war in Ukraine around the clock, 24 hours per day, seven days a week. So every day we telling people about which cities were bombed, how many people were died, how Russian soldiers raped and tortured our children, women and men. When we are talking about our daily routine now, we don't have exact time uh, when our work is started and when it will end. Um, because uh, TV channels speak alternatively. Our broadcast can, be, uh, can begin at 3 a.m. and ends in 8 a.m. And the next day it could be from... Um, 5 p.m. till 12 p.m. It depends, but it's not hard for us to uh, wake up at night or go to sleep in uh, early morning or at night. It is not hard to see destroyed houses, but it is hard to hear a lot of people's stories when they tell us 
that uh, their parents have died or when we heard uh, about a 23-year-old girl which was probably raped by Russian soldiers, which was tortured, that police told them, the parents said that police told them about that uh, Russian soldiers shooted legs of these girls and uh, gave her tourniquets to stop uh, the bleeding. And then she was probably raped and then shoot it and uh, it's hard it's hard to when you hear about uh, 11 years old boy which uh, whose hair uh, become gray because uh, he saw uh, when russian soldiers raped his mother it was in front of his eyes or when we see photos of a 10 year old girl without clothes it is hard for us, for us emotionally, but um, for example, me, I try to block emotions when I talk to people because I know it is my job and I have to do this. I have to give the information for other Ukrainians, for foreign people. When I go to my work, I try to make photos and videos which will show the whole scale uh, of Russian invasion to uh, find, trying to convince people uh, to tell their terrifying stories because we know that the world must hear it, must hear these stories. And for you personally, what's been your experience with your, with your friends and family? Would you give a sense to our listeners about how the war has impacted your, the, the people in your life that are close to you? My family is uh, safe now. Uh, my grandmother, grandfather live in Ternopil. It is in the uh, west of Ukraine. But my sister was with me uh, in Kyiv when the full-scale invasion uh, was started. 15 minutes from uh, our apartment where we uh, were staying is Irpin. Bucha, then Warzen and Hostomel. So from the very beginning, from the very first day, we heard bombs was falling when our air defense was working to the European. Our windows were shaking, but our house is, uh, is stained. But my colleagues' houses were destroyed. It was hard when uh, we were searching for our cameraman, which was in uh, Hostomel, and we haven't heard about him for seven days. And then, unfortunately, uh, he was found alive uh, with his family. Uh, but I don't know what uh, what happens with other cameraman. I don't hear the last information about him. We also tried to find wh- where he is because he is from Ivankiv. It, it is on the uh, north of Ukraine. It's close in. It's it is in the halfway road from Chernobyl uh, to Kyiv. I have a colleague whose grandmother was dead because of the war, and. So on, it is hard. I have a question for you, Mm. if you're willing to talk about Mm -hmm. it. You mentioned that your boyfriend obviously works currently in media, but that if there's a third mobilisation, he Mm. might be called forward to fight. Like, what does that feel like? Uh, It is hard because 
I'm terrified of this, but I will not uh, forbid him to do this because uh, he will fight for Ukraine if it will be needed. But I know that when will be the third wave of mobilization, they will fight on the east of Ukraine and in the south, and we will, it, and it will be very hard. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Daniel, for that question. What's it been like, Irina, working with Daniel and and Daniel as well? What's it as a team? How has that actually? Could you give our listeners a sense of what what you've been doing together and um, some of the challenges you've overcome? Yeah, I can see you both smiling. Daniel <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, even uh, Daniel cries even. Mm, more times than me i was not <laughs> crying when i was talking to people because maybe it because of that i i saw a lot of pictures before mm. i saw a lot of videos before i heard a lot of stories before so uh, i was prepared because foreign journalists they have an information about ukraine maybe when when they are, they are preparing to come here mm-hmm. and when they are staying but we listen to this information 24 hours per day i have heard so many terrified stories that i i can't even hate now russian soldiers in russia i haven't uh, i don't have uh, are you trying so to much, say so much strength to hate them yeah. because it is out of the words i don't know how to explain how ukrainians hate russians because of what they are doing Hmm. and about the question about uh, yes about the work with Daniel Mm, she's very sweet she's very professional journalist she every time she wanted to talk to people that is how she's uh, uh, making her stories because she didn't come to Lviv and then to Kyiv to talk to persons uh, which don't, um, I don't know how to say. She come to hear stories at the field. On the field. On the field, yes. And uh, she's brave because we, are, we were coming to Bucha in uh, the curfew. In the first day uh, she came to Kyiv. Uh, we were in Borodyanka, we were in the uh, Chernihiv region where uh, 80% of houses, of villages were destroyed. So I think that the way that Daniel's, Daniel doing her job is uh, very professional. you. <laughs> and I teach her uh, Ukrainian words. <laughs> And Danielle, what's it been like working with Irina? Let's hear, let's hear the other side of the story as well. I just, sometimes I feel like you must be exhausted because we go into a scenario where I want to interview somebody and I'm just pummeling you with questions. And I'm like, right, ask them this now. Okay, ask them this. And it's very kind of strenuous work and you're having to ask these really difficult questions and then translate it all to me in English. And then you don't get a second to breathe before I'm like, okay, this is what I want you to ask them back. And I see your mind like working and like how to phrase it in Ukrainian. And so I, I just, um, I think, and you do look really tired at the end of each day. And I think that's because of I'm, I, I'm we're obviously working you very hard, but this job 
couldn't be done without someone that speaks the Ukrainian language. So you also really convey the kind of delicate nature of the questions that we're asking. I can, obviously I can't understand what you're saying to the person, but I can see the tone of your voice and the facial expression. And that's important as well, because so much of what you get out of someone is how you treat them when questioning them about a story. So um, I think we work really well together. And um, Paul is being shy and doesn't want to talk because we're obviously in the car right now on the side of the road in Ukraine. But um, like, I think the three of us work really well together and Paul is just capturing the most amazing pictures that really show the kind of fragility of the civilization over here right now. And um, you see it in the paper every day. I mean, the, what we've got in the paper today at, at a girl's funeral um, after she was tortured and murdered and just being able to capture the pain on the parents' faces in a photo is really impressive. And so rightly say so, they were given a whole spread for that story in particular how how did can you tell us a little bit about that how i mean how do you ask a how, how do you translate a question how do you find the right words um, and the right phrasing to, to 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 talk to parents about something like that when i'm talking to you mm-hmm. it's weird like i'll be asking the question looking at the parents but in english and then i turn to arena and there's this like moment of connection i see between our eyes where you're like okay now I'm going to ask them a really difficult question. Yes, the, there are moments when Daniel asks some questions and I understand in my head that this question is so hard to uh, tell the parents. Mm. Uh, so I need to, to make this question more sensitive, more polite. Sometimes I have to call people I don't know and ask uh, details about someone's death or deaths of their children and uh, I don't know even how to say hi to them because in Ukrainian language we don't say hi to people we don't know we say like good morning or good evening I don't know how to say the words without good because Mm. we we don't have we can't say morning or afternoon I don't know how to say good morning to them when I know that the child of this mother was tortured and mm-hmm. killed and there will be f- funeral in this or the next day. Or when I try to find other words, it can be Vitayu, but Vitayu, it's congratulations. Mm-hmm. How I can say congratulations to that woman? And when Daniel uh, asked me uh, when someone's house was destroyed, and she asked, ask them how how they how are they feel, how do they feel, how do, how do they feel, and I think first thing um, thought in my mind is how they could feel, and then I need to ask them, and the people also says so how can I feel, mm. and it's also hard. Yeah, it's kind of a, that's that's a tricky question. How do you feel? Because everyone's like, well, how do you think I feel? I feel shit, my house has been destroyed, my daughter's been murdered. But then people do elaborate on exactly how they feel. And the piece I ended with today um, about Karina, the the 23-year-old that was murdered, you know, her mother said at the end, what can I feel? I've cried everything in my body, I've got no tears left. And I just thought that was so powerful. Even though she 
like in 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 saying so few words, she actually said so much. I just have another question, and this is just because I think part of this part of what's interesting about this is it'll give our listeners um, a sense of just how you work and what it what what journalism looks like. So when when you're looking for stories or when you're going to places, um, how does that work exactly, Danielle and Irena? Are you sort of is, are there dictates coming down from London from the editor saying, "Well, we we want you here, we want you here," or do you get some? Do you get more freedom than that? Are you telling them, "Well, this is really interesting. I'm going to be over here." Um, to, to, I mean, I guess my question is: to what extent is it managed, and to what extent are you are you being quite spontaneous? No, it's been really lovely to have such a mature, professional relationship with our news editors, where they want us to pursue a story that we have the idea for. Obviously, um, like longer term projects, they might like, for example, we wrote about mines the other day and Memphis had suggested that was an area we looked into, but they are saying, please, you know, they welcome ideas from us. So that's been really amazing. And just seeing, you know, the support that we get when we come to them with a great story and they commission pictures and over a thousand words and all of that. So, um, I would say each morning we're not being told you need to do this. We're we're saying we are going to do this. We've seen this. I think it's interesting, and um, and then yeah, they're they're saying okay, go for it. And we have to check in each day and night from a security safety point of view. Um, but that's how it works. And in a lot of moments, uh, we just have to go to some place which was uh, on the temporary mm-hmm. occupation of Russian soldiers or which was uh, really bombed. That is how we came to Borodyanka. And the second day we came to Kyiv. We tried to uh, to enter Borodyanka so hard. It, it takes us three hours or four hours mm. because a lot of bridges uh, are bombed. So when we entered Borodyanka, we were in shock every of us because there are buildings which have only sides of it mm. not the the main part of buildings are fully destroyed and people are underground uh, still a lot of people still underground in a lot of moments we pick up stories from the field because mm-hmm. when we came to Andreevka, Lipivka and Korolivka uh, they are villages in Kyiv region we were just uh, crossing the streets and asking people. And uh, that is the, uh, the place in Andrivka where Russian soldiers uh, uh, dig a big hole uh, and said that it will be a mass grave for, for all of you in that village. That's not so different to how I used to approach stories when I was a general reporter, just literally door knocking. <laughs> and just speaking to people on the ground and seeing if they have anything they want to tell you. I thought, Daniel, what you said about how you know how do you feel is such a powerful question because it can, although it's potentially a bit blunt and potentially a bit simple, it opens up the avenues for people to talk about it. So, Irina, if you're comfortable, what how do, how do you feel right now? It is not a simple question because uh, I even don't know my, for myself how I feel. Maybe that is why I'm trying to work hard every day from the morning till night. I not uh, involve myself to to feel. You're alone. not. You're not allowing yourself. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not allowing myself to feel a lot because uh, when if I will cry, 
uh, when I will be live on TV, it makes no sense because I need to I need to do my work. But uh, what what I can truly said uh, for sure that a lot of people in Ukraine. Uh, the point uh, that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of foreign journalists, when they are talking about war in Ukraine, they are talking about the war as they uh, think, which started uh, the 24th of February 2022. But everybody needs to understand that the war, Russian war against Ukraine, started in 2014. We are living with this war for eight years. Our soldiers was dying this all eight years. Our civilians also. So uh, that is why we try to explain that this is not the start of the war. The war. This is only uh, another part of the war. A full scale invasion. The attention to this war started when our houses just were ruined and bombed every day from the morning till the evening when our civilians died not 10 12 100 people there are thousands because we don't know the situation in a lot of uh, regions for example uh, we don't know the situation in mariupol because uh, russian soldiers are using now their transporting crematoriums to hide their uh, criminals so I don't know how to say how I feel for me I don't want to to talk with any Russian people I hate them I wanted them to leave our country alone we are not fraternal people with Russia we are not a part of Russia as a lot of people were thinking about the Russian Federation before the Rus the Soviet Union and before that the Russian Empire, they were destroying Ukrainian language, Ukrainian culture, Ukrainian cultural figures for years, for even centuries. Our history started uh, 1,500 years ago from uh, Kievska Rus. And Kievska Rus doesn't have uh, any connection with Russian Federation because the Russian Federation has connections with Moscovia, which has uh, maybe 500 years history and to compare with Ukrainian history. So the first mention of, uh, about Ukraine was in 1187 and the first mention about Russian Federation was in 1387. Uh, Kiev is uh, 1,539 years old and Moscow is 875 years old. Uh, Ukrainian currency Hryvnia uh, uh, was appeared at 1130 and Russian, uh, uh, Russian currency Ruble uh, was appeared in 1654. Ukrainian language started to create in 6th century and Russian language started to create in 12th century. So feel the difference mm -hmm. and um, that uh, history of Ukraine that Russia wants to take for them 
uh, it's not working. And people in all the world must to know uh, the true history, must to search for it. And this is also... Um, Uh, this is also a task for us, for Ukrainian journalists, to tell people about it. Thanks to Danielle and Irena for their time there. Just to say, Monday is another bank holiday in the United Kingdom, so Ukraine the latest will return on Tuesday, the 19th of April. Ukraine the latest is an original podcast from The Telegraph. To stay on top of all of our Ukraine news, analysis and dispatches from the ground, Subscribe to The Telegraph. You can get your first 30 days completely free at telegraph.co.uk forward slash audio. Or sign up to Dispatches, our daily Ukraine newsletter, which brings stories from our award-winning foreign correspondents straight to your inbox. You can listen to this conversation live at 1pm each weekday on Twitter Spaces. Follow The Telegraph on Twitter so that you don't miss it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider following Ukraine The Latest on your preferred podcast app and leave a review as it helps others find the show. You can also get in touch directly with us by emailing podcasts at telegraph.co.uk. We do read every message. Ukraine The Latest is produced by Louisa Wells and Giles Gear, and on Twitter, Sophie Coe.